the best thing I could do for myself mentally is like waking up early. Like having a slow start to the day is like so beneficial for me. So I try to get up, even if I'm like not even like doing anything. I mean, I try to work out in the morning. So I try to get up at like 5.36. Even if I'm not working out, I like to put some like light music on, make some coffee and kind of just like relax. Sometimes it's just even just laying there is, is like fine. Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Endorphins. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Kyle Hodge, who's an associate commerce director at GQ, which is a menswear magazine that focuses on fashion, style, and culture. I really wanted to focus this episode on how lifestyle magazines, specifically in the men's space, portray men's mental health, because Personally, I see the wellness industry being really female-dominated, and I think there's something to be said around how we discuss men's mental health and how men engage in conversations around their own mental health and well-being. It was such an honor to get to have Kyle come and speak to how GQ provides a perspective on men's mental health, what he does to stay healthy, how he takes care of himself, and also talk a little bit about Kyle's story, how he got into the world of journalism, culture, fashion, arts, and the relationship between happiness and creative self-expression. Before we dive into the interview, make sure to like, rate, and review this podcast on whichever listening platform you prefer, and tune into a brief message from my sponsor, Anchor. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, Kyle. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited for this. There's like a million things I want to talk about today. But I think we should start with your journey into the creative world and specifically working in journalism, fashion, design at GQ. You're the Associate Commerce Director at GQ, which is such a cool role to have. I'd love for you to chat a little bit about like how you landed first into the world of like journalism and then at GQ. It was kind of an unexpected surprise, but not like too far away from what I wanted to do. So I went to uh, Philadelphia University, which is a like fashion design school. I studied marketing and communications, but I always loved design and I kind of always see myself into fashion, uh, but kind of more on like the creative side of things. But in my sophomore year, I got the opportunity to intern at Complex Magazine here in New York City. Obviously, I took it. It was like the coolest magazine at the time. Still, it was one of the best. And it was for their their style team uh, on their editorial side of things. I remember like coming up here. I remember the first day being super nervous because I wasn't really a writer. 
I didn't like writing. Writing class and like in college and like high school was just like not my favorite thing to do. Which is ironic because then you ended up going into writing essentially. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And I remember starting and being a, yeah like super nervous because like oh now I have to like write about these articles. So many people are going to see it and my name's going to be there. Um, but like over time, it's something. It's like just flexing that creative muscle, but just in a, like a different way. But it's it was so great being able to like give my opinion on all of these cool like breaking news trending things that are happening in the culture which i was already like rooted in i really got into fashion through like kind of like the blog era of like back in high school um it's like hypebeast gq obviously um complex uh I remember Kanye had his like Kanye University blog, which was like super huge. I don't even know what that is. What's the Kanye University blog? Kanye University blog was like the holy grail of blogs back in the day. It kind of, if anything, it really like spearheaded all of like the cool fashion blogs that streetwear blogs that like that came after it. High Snob, High Beast, all of them. I mean, they were all around and they were all good, but like. Kanye like just like took it to a different level, um, especially more into like high end fashion and like art and like uh, home decor and stuff like that. He just like brought a whole different level and scene into like the streetwear blog world. And it yeah, it was again, it was like a holy grail for like all of us. And being from South Jersey, uh, like in the suburbs, for me, it wasn't easy to like be around like in that world, like physically, like I would go into Philly and there's some cool places in Philly to, to kind of delve into like the street world skateboard life, uh, especially like uh, at, at Ubik, uh, which is on Wall Street, which is fantastic. Um, but I didn't come up to New York a lot um, up until like end of, end of high school, early college. I remember like my mom used to work in New York City, so I would like come up with her and she would go to work and I would just like roam around Soho like by myself and just like take it all in, take the whole scene in, hit up a bunch of stores that like I would see on blogs and just be like the happiest kid ever. When I think about Soho, like maybe in that time period, maybe a little bit later, I remember like Supreme being huge. And there, I think there still is to this day, like lines around the block to get into the Supreme store. I think it's on like, is it on? It's like near Prince, like Prince and Broadway, right? Yep, definitely. Yep. They have their store there, which is like, yeah, their more popular one, which is like, yeah, there's always a line outside to get inside. It's, it's crazy. And then they have one in Brooklyn, which is a little more chill and a little more easy to, to, to get in and shop and not deal with the madness and chaos of like all the, the tourists trying to come grab their Supreme box tea. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when you would come to New York in like your teenage years, you know, high school, college, um, either like when your mom would come to work in the city or like when you were interning, I feel like that's such a great place to be because New York is a place full of creatives and people who are really immersed in like the arts and fashion and especially being in an area like Soho where you would just kind of roam around. I'm sure you were really exposed to a lot of interesting people, even just like people watching, people are so fashionable and in these like eclectic outfits. And I feel like probably around that time was the catalyst maybe of, of streetwear. Like that era was like kind of like the beginning of streetwear kind of brewing and getting into like the city scene. 
Yeah, definitely. Like it was way more niche back then. Yeah, I remember being in high school wearing Supreme and wearing all these other different uh, cool streetwear brands at the time and literally no one in high school like knowing what any of this meant or like how cool this was besides like a very like small group of us. Um, so it's, yeah, it's wild to see like how far it's come. And like now, yeah, Supreme, like everyone knows who, what Supreme is and looking, going to the store in Soho and they're just being wrapped or fans wrapped around the block just to, just to get in. Um, so like, yeah, going from those early days in high school was like walking around by myself, going to these stores and these shops, getting cool stuff, bringing it back to South Jersey, rocking it in high school and everyone like. Everyone loved it. They thought it was cool, but like they had no idea what it was. So how would you say like streetwear has evolved since then? I know this is a tangent from my initial question, which we'll get back to, but I'm curious to hear your take on this. Um, I think for one thing, it's way more accessible now. And I think trends are, they come and go so quickly now. I think it's all because of the internet and like social media. It's so easy to to you know to see what people are rocking to to see what these trends are to to buy these clothes without having to like go wait in line for like an entire day or night which i've done before and it's was not fun at all i did it like once and it was heartbreaking um and yeah everything's way more accessible now there's you know secondhand markets like StockX and like go and like ebay where you can also like find vintage pieces or like more exclusive pieces so i think like just all of that like wrapped into one just made it way more easier for people to, to 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 jump into the world of fashion without having to like really have to like yeah like be in soho or like be like in the scene like a, on a physical presence level you can just go online on instagram and you can get your way in easy it's crazy how platforms like instagram and tiktok really shape like cultural trends what people are wa- like watching what they're wearing what they're listening to i even think that the rise of like the athleisure style and athleisure look kind of parallels with some streetwear influences, I guess, because you can kind of mix and match, you know, like an aloe sweatsuit, like jumpsuit or whatever can be considered streetwear-ish, but also like athleisure, depending on how you style it. And it's comfortable, but it's also like chic. So I think it's definitely becoming maybe like more accessible and cool to kind of see these styles be dressed up in a way too. Like it doesn't have to be super casual anymore. Yeah, definitely. Like I think the 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 barriers between like streetwear and like high end, like the definitions of both of them are like have been like completely shattered really um, because they both kind of like merged into the two like high end fashion, like with when Virgil was at like Louis Vuitton and what he was doing there um, and with like Off-White and seeing even like like Kith, um, you know, they they're, they do such a great job of, of marrying both of those worlds and combining both of those worlds together that you really can't define like what streetwear is now these days because it's not just graphic tees um, and like cool sneakers. Like those those same people who are, who are wearing that are also wearing more fitted, tailored, high-end material t-shirts and stuff like that. It's cool. A former guest of mine, Jack Carlson, the founder of Rowing Blazers, who you know, and that's actually how we met at such a, a fun party. As we both know, his his brand is kind of like this eclectic mix of tastes and styles and blends 
like Ivy style and vintage streetwear. And it's this really cool intersection of the both. And to your point, it, it makes streetwear more accessible and also a bit more high end as well. Um, so it's kind of cool to see how it's evolved over time and where it, it may continue to trend towards. Shout out to that episode and shout out to Rowing Blazers. <laughs> yeah, shout out Zach. Love Rowing Blazers. You are very fashionable into the fashion world and fashion industry. Fashion is a form of self-expression, which is really related to our sense of happiness and joy. So how do you see the two at play together? And how do you express yourself through fashion, through design as someone who is in a really creative space? Yeah, it's, I guess it's all about like finding that comfortability of like where it lies for you, no matter what you want to wear. And I think we continue to get to an even better place in fashion that we can and it's acceptable to wear whatever you want. We were talking about the intersection between streetwear and high end, but there's also just an intersection between like just like gender clothing and just unisex clothing. Seeing a lot more men wearing dresses and skirts, um, I think is, is super awesome. And like what Jane Smith is wearing and what he does, um, Young Thug wearing a dress like on his album cover is so sick. Kid Cudi has done the same. He's like born, he wore, wore like a dress like SNL, his SNL performer, something like that. Um, yeah, it's so sick. It's, it's amazing seeing all of these borders, just these social borders just being broken down in fashion. And to your point, yeah, it just, it just frees us even more to like get to that comfortable place within ourselves and to express ourselves um, in any way you choose, wear whatever you want. Yeah, totally. I, I really love that messaging. Even for myself, I, th I think about like certain pieces of clothing that I wear and how it makes me feel phys like when I put it on, like there's like a mental, like a mindset shift. For example, like if I'm mm -hmm. wearing more professional clothing if I'm going to the office one day, it kind of puts me in this mindset where I'm like on, like I'm on it. And yep. I feel kind of like I have like a different, not a different personality, but I kind of step into this different persona. And it's simply because of, you know, the pants I chose to wear that day or like the shirt that I'm wearing. But then if I'm like wearing a really nice, Aloe Yoga is one of my favorite brands, like Aloe and Beyond Yoga, I am I love. <laughs> and so when I'm wearing like, I think they call it like their butter leggings because they're really, really soft. Like Ooh, nice. I love, like I love the material. It's really comfortable. Um, And I think also there's like a trick for motivating yourself to work out is like buying yourself new workout clothes. So I'll definitely, I, I definitely use that trick quite, quite often. Honestly, I do the same. I need that boost. And sometimes it's like, let me just go buy a new pair of shorts just so I know that I go to the gym this week, you know? Why not? And so you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. You're wearing something that makes you feel good, but then you're also getting in your movement, you're getting in those endorphins um, in many different ways. So I think there's definitely lots of applications, um, you know, where we see fashion and wellness intersect. That just reminds me of like being a kid and like going shopping for like your your school, your new school clothes and like the first day of school, like you're just so giddy to like get up and like put your outfit on and like go to school and like flex on everybody. Just like, yeah, it's like that. But like as an adult now, it's just like hopefully like pretty often that you can be out and, you know, get some new clothes for yourself and make yourself happy. But yeah, there's no other feeling like that. But something that I have noticed actually, and I think it's a psychological principle, like novelty dying off. And, you know, when things are novel and new, it's like really exciting. And then it, it gets pretty boring real quickly. And like with clothing, for example, when I tend to buy new clothes, I like wear it for like a week straight. 
and I'm so excited by it. Like I, I'm actually having this experience now. I bought these new pants from Aritzia and I'm like obsessed with them. <laughs> and I've worn them like every single day for the past four days. And I feel like in a week I'm just going to get tired of them. And that's such a shame because it's like not sustainable for the planet or for my wallet <laughs> to keep buying new clothes, right? So how can you kind of maintain that same sense of excitement around new purchases? Like, I don't know if you've had things from your own personal experience. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm, I'm exactly the same. Like I, I like get a new piece of clothing and I have to wear it like, yeah, literally like a week straight. Like no shame in my game. If you saw me on Monday wearing something and on Wednesday I'm still, or Thursday I'm wearing the same thing, just know that I love this piece and just be happy for me. I guess like, yeah, when I'm buying new new pieces of clothing, in the back of my mind, I guess I have like my wardrobe. I'm thinking about my wardrobe and thinking of like, how can this piece like complement other pieces that I already have um, so that I can just mix and match clothing and without having to like go out and yeah, like every week and buy a new pair of pants because I'm now getting tired of this one. But Mac, you know, just matching it with something different in my closet that just creates maybe just like a completely different look and something that's fresh and new. Um, and sometimes like those pieces that you do forget about that are just like collecting dust in the back of your closet may look completely different now with like this new pair of pants that you have. And, and that's even exciting too, of like finding an old gen that you completely forgot about in your closet. And now it looks amazing. I think like the, the piece I'm wearing now for the people who can't see, um, it's this 18 East, um, sort of like a kimono style thing. And when I first got it, again, I would wear it all the time. And then I like, yeah, put it away. And recently I was just like digging through stuff and I found it again. And I got a new pair of jeans from APC. And I think it looks so good with these, this pair of jeans. And now like I'm wearing it all the time again. I love that. You should be behind the camera at GQ. <laughs> you should be in the photo shoots modeling all your cool pieces. I totally feel that. I think for me, it's like my mom and I like sometimes can be similar sizing. And so sometimes when I steal her clothes, it feels like a new piece or like a hidden gem. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to my mom. She's a, she's definitely a fashionista. That's where I, I, I go to her for all of my advice. I would go to GQ, but I don't really dress in traditional men's clothing. However, I do enjoy flipping through GQ and browsing. That brings me kind of to, I guess, my first question. We had a nice little tangent there. You were interning at Complex, and that's kind of what got you into the the journalism world. So what happened after? What led you to GQ? So yeah, started uh, interning at, at Complex. Um, and basically, like I did a summer summer internship there, and then I just kept like freelancing for them uh, throughout the rest of college. And then once I got out, I got an opportunity at VH1 to join uh, their editorial team as a staff writer, and uh, so I did, and was writing still about fashion, but more pop culture focused, and helping to like do some marketing, digital marketing for like all of their their shows. Um, it was fun. It was great. It was way a little more of a pivot for me from complex, which was more rooted in street culture world where VH1 was a little bit more, was a little bit more mainstream. It was also more like female focused. Um, so it was a little bit different for me. It was a little bit of a pivot, but I definitely enjoyed it. I enjoyed like the learning curve and like being part of like the TV industry and seeing like how all that worked out. 
Um, and I was there for a couple of years and I knew I wanted to get back into fashion, back into the, like more of the men's menswear, more of the men's lifestyle. And that's when I went to High Snobiety, which was very similar to when I started at Complex because back then Complex was had still a bit of a like startup vibe. It wasn't a like huge group of people, wasn't a like very big office, wasn't a corporate office at all. Um, so when I got to High Snob, they just started opening up like their New York office, like the New York branch. They're from Berlin, Germany. That's where their headquarters are. So when I got to High Snob, there was only about like maybe 20 people in the entire New York office coming from VH1 and Viacom where there's like hundreds and hundreds of people. So it was definitely a, a definitely another like a, a, a culture shift going from going from Viacom to to High Snob. But I, I absolutely loved it. I love the startup vibes of that. Um, it was super family oriented with just being such a small group of people. Um, and I love being back in, in back in the menswear world. Um, it's fantastic covering just covering the whole spectrum of it all with our small group, traveling, working with brands, working with influencers and designers, um, doing more thought out pieces, helping with uh, like cover stories and, and print stories. We we uh, did a collaboration with uh, Gestalton, the, the the book publisher. On a on a book uh, on two of them, but I helped with with one called the the new luxury, uh, which kind of what we talked about earlier about kind of that intersection between like high end fashion and streetwear. Yeah, I just had like a lot more freedom um, to do a lot of cool things like within the space of menswear. Um, I had my own video series as well on YouTube for a little bit called Ball Boys <laughs> with my with my colleague Ian Cervantes. Um, we mainly discussed uh, the intersection between sports and fashion. So we would cover like trending news, but then we would like dive in and give like our opinion on like what athletes were wearing, like pre and post game and like on the court and kind of just sometimes giving credit, but sometimes like, yo, why'd you wear that fit, bro? It, it was, it was amazing. It was super goofy. It wasn't anything like a deep dive or serious, anything like that. It was just like the two of us like hanging out, just talking about sports. And it was so much fun. That sounds like such a blast and a cool like topic to discuss the intersection between sports and fashion. So you mentioned that High Snob was headquartered or is based in Berlin. Did you ever have the opportunity to go out to Germany? Every year, actually, we had like an annual summit, um, like during the holidays. So we were able to like go over there and like meet uh, other people from our team and like discuss goals and stuff. Yeah, it was beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, I spent a summer in Berlin a few years ago and the vibe there is just great. Like I, I feel like I could live in Berlin. It's it's awesome and um, definitely like a very fashionable city and kind of like grunge underground vibe. So I could definitely see the connection. Yeah, definitely. It, it reminds me of, of Bushwick in a, in a little bit. Like it, it's... yeah has that grungier artsy scene and yeah there's so many personalities so much flavor when it comes to fashion out there yeah it's it's beautiful totally and i think when you're in a city like that you want to kind of dress the part in a way like you want to be a part of that um yeah. and so i found myself kind of pushing myself outside the box in terms of like different styles i was trying like i bought a pair of really cool like i thrifted a pair of red jeans they were like these like Ooh, hard nice. denim, like high-waisted red jeans. They're so cool. Um, and 
it's funny because my my dad has a pair of red jeans <laughs> and I used to like make fun of him for wearing them because I thought they were ridiculous, but they're actually pretty like fashionable. I think he like, it, he rocks the look, but now we can twin because I have my cool like red jeans from Berlin that I thrifted that are like a That's miracle awesome. that they still fit. I, I love these jeans. Um, but That's so it seems like your family is like super cool and fashionable. My mom styles my dad. So <laughs> she's the <laughs> one that, <laughs> but he does have, he has an eye. Um, he has his own, uh, you know, his own eclectic taste, I would say. Uh, he's also a big fan of rowing blazers. So he looks good in a, awesome. a little rowing Who blazer. <laughs> Who doesn't? Exactly. <laughs> when you transitioned into being back in like a more menswear focused place, how did you see the the shift look between more like female focused uh, editorial content, specifically in the wellness space versus what's published uh, on GQ? Because I think, you know, wellness is, wellness is this big umbrella term. And of course, content can be targeted depending if it's like more of like a female focused magazine or like a men's focused magazine. I'm curious to hear your perspective on, you know, where you see there to be similarities between like the two and how wellness is portrayed versus where there may be differences across different genders and gender expressions when it comes to like when we talk about wellness. With GQ, I think we we, we do a great job of of really again breaking down that border there's there's really i don't see a difference that much anymore um one just because i think the culture when it, com- when it comes to men and wellness and like uh beauty and taking care of yourself uh that conversation is becoming more and more it's, it's more talked about now these days than it, than it used to be uh, i think more men are addressing issues when it comes to comes to dealing with like depression and finding finding ways to be happy and finding ways to take care of your body um, as well as taking care of your skin and having a great, you know, daily facial routine and stuff like that. Um, as well as like like home decor. I feel like years ago, that wasn't really a topic too much discussed uh, um, in, in, in menswear or just, just with men in general. Um, but now, you know, I talk to my guy friends about what candles they got, you know, and like what kind of face mask they have. And I think that's that's so cool. Um, that it's become such a mainstay and that men are more comfortable about discussing those things. And with GQ, yeah, we, we have a full wellness like vertical that dives into all those things. Um, I come from more of the, the product side and yeah, we cover everything from, from fitness products to grooming products to beauty products. Yeah. What face masks you should be buying, what sunscreen you should be, should be wearing, what candles are the best, what plants you should have in your home. Great bedding options, everything. Yeah, we just we discuss it all. Uh, but we also dive into deeper conversations. Um, obviously, like, they're, you know, we're all heartbroken about Roe v. Wade being unturned. And yeah, we, we put up a, a think piece about that and how that this is a such a heartbreaking issue that affects all of us. You know, obviously, our heart goes out to to all of the women affected by this. It's it's so sad. Uh, but, it, it, you know, it affects us men, too. You know, unplanned pregnancies can really change the course of your life on uh, on either side. Um, so on the product side, yeah, we I think it's there is no change there um, when it comes to what's what's happening in the world. We need to just continue to be helpful and um make sure that we're, we're doing everything that we can, you know, as a man to, you know, 
help fight the good fight and do what I can, you know? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so happy that you tied it into current events because it's really timely, everything that's been going on recently. And it is heartbreaking. It's, 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 it's the world, the state of our world right now is not, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> happy to see that GQ has kind of made a stance on that. I think it's great that GQ is uh, really cognizant about kind of breaking those barriers around discussing mental health and like men's mental health too. And also breaking maybe the gender barriers around like what's considered wellness, like lighting a candle or doing a face mask or finding like bedding that's like really comfortable and like falls under like that wellness umbrella. Because I think traditionally we see these topics more focused towards women, like your the best skincare routine or, you know, I used to read like, I used to like flip through Cosmopolitan at like the nail salon when I was little, like the paper magazine. And it would always be articles about like sex, obviously. And then like, um, like queer horoscope or, um, therapy and, and, and stuff like that. And I feel like there was never, there was never content about therapy in particular in like men's magazines, like GQ or men's health or whatever. And, and now it's, it's great to kind of see that there's a shift because, not only are we living through this mental health epidemic, but we're also starting to see the 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 mental health stigma begin to be destigmatized and be more spoken about. Um, especially, I think, also for men, like being open about going to therapy, um, also addressing the fact that like men in particular need to like I feel like make that extra effort to process their emotions and um I think there's don't quote me on this but like there's some sort of statistic out there or like scientific um like fact that states that it takes men's brains to actually develop longer than women's brains which is really oh it definitely does yeah we're 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 a little slow <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like you would think that men would be interested in doing something to take care of their, their mental health. And I feel like often it's like when there's a scary thought, we tend to just kind of push it away and men even more so. Of course, I'm generalizing. Um, so this is not you know applicable to everyone. But my, my point being is that it's great to see that there is this shift towards like opening up the conversation, particularly within like the male or like man identifying community. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very beautiful to see and I'm glad it's it's really happening. Um you know, as a as a black man, I feel like in the black community, yeah, therapy isn't really discussed or talked about. Uh, not that it's like in like in a shameful way if you're going to therapy, but it was just never uh, I feel like for for most black men it was just never presented as an option and that we always have to put on this like strong front. Um, obviously, we you know we have to deal with a lot uh, being as a you know being a black man in America, but it's it's great to see that that conversation uh, becoming more open. Uh, I mean, seeing a lot of celebrities discussing. Um, I know I think over the pandemic, uh, Charlemagne the God, uh, TV host for uh, the Breakfast Club, he like wrote a book about it and like dove deeper into into therapy and like being a black man and and dealing with that. Um, and it, yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to seeing this conversation finally really being spearheaded in, in our community. Um, and yeah, you know, we're, we're all going through things, especially these, these past couple of years have been not great and it doesn't seem like it's <laughs> slowing down at any point. Um, 
so yeah, if you're if you're struggling with something, please like go talk to somebody. It's totally okay and it's fine. We're all going through we're all going through stuff. We are, and we all know this, but of course, social media is not an accurate depiction of our day to day lives, not in the slightest. And going back to your point about like celebrities that are really open about mental health, like Kid Cudi is a great example. Like he's so open about his mental health struggles, and even if you just listen to his lyrics, it's like this guy's struggling and he has struggled. He's, he's suffered in some, you know, some way. And, um, I think he's also a really good role model in that sense. Cause I mean, I love his music, but it's, it, it's a bit more meaningful when you listen to it through that lens. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. I love seeing like how he's always put it like forefront and he's always been like transparent about it. Yeah. I've watched his documentary when, like when it came out, I think it was on Hulu or Amazon. Uh, I think it was like a year ago, two years ago. And it was, yeah, it was beautiful to see, like almost shed a tear because it was like how open this this guy was being about his struggles and how open he's always been about his struggles throughout his career, no matter like how big or famous he's gotten. Uh, it's beautiful. You know? And then in your own experience, you know, how would how would you describe certain like practices or steps that you take to take care of your let's say like your physical well-being, your emotional well-being, and if you consider yourself maybe like a spiritual person, your spiritual wellness. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, being in media, it's it can be sometimes hard to turn off because um, it's, it's always going, celebrities are doing this, artists are putting out music or a designer put out some clothes, whatever. Um, and sometimes it, it can be on the weekend, it can be late at night. Um, you never know. So sometimes it can be really hard to find that work-life balance and i think for me was just really putting a stop to that of like i need to find time to work on myself turn off work uh turn off the emails turn off slack and go work out or do yoga go to the you know go to the grocery store get some food make some food eat healthy maybe put some music on clean my place like all those these these little things add up to just like yeah really taking care of yourself um and for me, yeah, that work-life balance of finding that early on, obviously, I was like very excited to be here in the city and like working in fashion and doing all these cool things. But yeah, after a while, like, yeah, it's you look back and I'm just like, oh, wow, I've all week, I think I've gone to like a brand event on Monday and then on Tuesday and Wednesday, maybe went out with friends and grabbed drinks and Thursday to another brand event or something like that or some fashion thing. And I'm like, wow, I've been out all this week and I didn't work out. I barely cooked i you know i barely slept and all these things and i'm like oh this is not good uh so it's easy to be like wrapped up in that world and it's a, an amazing fun exciting world to be in but you do sometimes have to like take yourself out of it and find time for yourself and just slow down a little bit yeah i think it's something i've experienced too like wanting to do everything and overbooking myself and you know working during the day and then having plans at night or doing this networking event or that thing and it's it's really easy to overextend yourself especially in a city like New York especially yeah. being in a creative industry and like to your point I didn't realize how much I would look forward to like the feeling of having a fully stocked fridge after you grocery shop mm -hmm. and knowing you just like did something for yourself and then you you're incentivized to not eat out as much because you're like okay I, I don't want this food to go to waste so I have to cook it and I have to eat it so like something I've been trying to do is really only have like dinners 
on the on the weekends because it's like I'd rather save my money and just like cook at home and eat at home and whatever. And then like it makes it more special when you get to go out. You know, I love that point around. It's like the little things that add up. Exactly. Exactly. And for me, I'm like becoming more of a morning person. I think the the best thing I could do for myself mentally is like waking up early. Like having a slow start to the day is like so beneficial for me. Um, so I try to get up, even if I'm like not even like doing anything. I mean, I try to work out in the morning. Um, so I try to get up at like 536. Um, even if I'm not working out, I like to put some like light music on, make some coffee and kind of just like relax. Sometimes it's just even just laying there is, is like fine. But like before I used to be yeah more of a night person going out a lot and then you know, waking up like right before work and then like cracking open my laptop and then trying to figure it all out. And it's just chaos. Yeah, that's not it. I I feel horrible when I start my day and I immediately like open my laptop because I feel like I didn't have a day. I'm with you on that. Like waking up early. Funny story. This morning I woke up at 530 because I had a 6am yoga class scheduled. And I have been kind of on this like 6, 630am yoga kick recently because I mark, you know, I'm hitting the year anniversary of when I went and got my teacher training in Bali. In that program, I was up at 6.30 every morning doing yoga from like 7 to 9. And it was just so nice to start your day with movement and like some form of meditation or breath work or a combination of the three. And now like living so close by to a yoga studio um, that I also teach at because I teach at Core Power Yoga, it's it's been a game changer. So I've been waking up really early and going to yoga and it feels amazing that you you get out of class and it's like 7 a.m., 7.30, and you're like, I already did something. I'm going to shower. I'm going to like make my breakfast. And, and now I'm ready to sit down. And it's it, it, it does something to your mind. I don't know what it is, but it's powerful. Same. Yeah, I can't describe the feeling of it. But yeah, it's like much needed every day. Yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's a key part of my for me, for my mental health, waking up early is is key. Aside from your morning routine, which it seems like is very sacred to you, are there any other ways that you try to incorporate like wellness in your day to day, whether it be through certain like practices that you love or just like trying to have more of conversations around wellness with your friends, your family, your peers? Like how do you kind of bring that into your life? Um, yeah, definitely being more open for sure. Uh, yeah, with friends and family, um, you know, going through just day to day struggles of whatever it could be work or just social life, whatever it is, and finding time to just like, really just like move around, obviously, you know, in front of a, a laptop most of most of my work day. Um, but if I'm working at home, I, I'm fortunate enough to live by a park for Green Park. So I'd love to go go grab some air and go like sit in the park or walk around, uh, grab some coffee. Um, I've been on a huge workout kick lately, so I go work out a lot. I've been trying to get into yoga, so you might have to give me some tips there. And really, really kind of like transforming my my place into like more of just like a sanctuary. Like I've been buying a lot more plants, been buying a lot more candles and like um, air purifiers and stuff like that. So like when I come home, I just want like beautiful aroma, beautiful greenery all the time, putting music on, stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's gorgeous. Having a serene environment at home, I feel like is so important because it's your place of rest, you know, like it's the place you want to just like 
unwind and just dial it down. I truly believe that wellness is not a one size fits all. And I think that as we grow older and have different life experiences, our own perspectives on health and wellness and what it means to be healthy, what it means to take care of yourself can really transform. And I think that's super powerful and it should be something that empowers everyone to get excited about taking care of their own health. Like it doesn't have to be a chore. And so it seems like you've kind of hit this point in your life where you've you've started to really love, you know, you've started to find the joy in the little things. And um, maybe it's a matter of priority shifting or interests evolving, but I think it's like a testament to the fact that like our own experience with health can change over time and that's okay. And that should be something that we're kind of constantly exploring. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And for me, I think it was, it was really like COVID that like brought that, brought all that out for me uh, of really like sitting back and like what, what needs to be changed, what truly makes me happy, what truly makes me healthy and slowly implementing that into my life, you know, not completely like flipping my entire life around and and changing everything all at once, but like slowly finding little things that make me happy throughout the day, throughout the week. And yeah, just keep and finding that competitive uh, consistency in it. You know, this brings me to my last question, which is something that I ask every guest. And you've already talked a lot about things that bring you joy um, and, you know, things in your routine that you consider to be part of your wellness practices, but what is something that brings you a bit of endorphins every day? Honestly, it's maybe this is a weird, bad answer, but uh, I recently got a record player, uh, bring it back to music. um, And I've been on this like oldies kick and I have this album. um, There's two of them that, that, I, I probably listen to every day, at least a few times. Uh, one is Aretha Franklin live in Paris from like, things from like 1970 something. It is such a beautiful, like soulful album that every time I play it, it's just like immediate, just happiness. I don't know how, I don't know how to explain it, but like music brings me a lot of joy and I play music all the time. And like that album is just pure bliss. Um, there's another one, um, Frank Sinatra in the small, I think it's called in the small hours. I, once, once I started getting on like my morning routine, that's the, like the album I play like every morning when I, like, as soon as I get up, like at the crack of dawn and yeah, it's another like pure bliss album. It's so just relaxing and heartfelt and soulful. And I can't think of a better way to start the day. That's a great answer. There's no bad answer for what brings you endorphins because there's so many things in this world that can make people happy. And it's also like such a personal response too. Um, And cool to have a record player. New music definitely brings me endorphins too. Clearly I'm a big Kid Cudi fan and, you know, amongst others. But um, I think that's great. And especially when you're like incorporating it into your morning, like there's nothing that gets me like more pumped up for the day when like I have music playing in the background or a good podcast, depending on like the mood that I'm in. Kyle, where can my listeners find you on Instagram? Like where can they go to connect with you? Oh yeah. Uh, my Instagram handle is HDGKYL. It's just like my first and last name abbreviated. It's like all my handles on Twitter, uh, Instagram. Those are only like the usual ones I'm on. Um, 
I do some video content for GQ. So you can find me on GQ.com. You can find me on GQ's YouTube or their uh, GQ Instagram and GQ Recommends handle. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I love this. Thank you for listening and remember to like, rate, and review this podcast on whichever listening platform you prefer. Don't forget to keep spreading endorphins and find things that bring you endorphins every day. See you next time.